0: Welcome to Dig It! I hope you're all having a beautiful Friday morning. I'm here, as per usual, with my two lovely ladies, Sharp Edge and Cori Lynn of Corey's Digs. How you guys done?
1: Hello, Doing hello.
2: Good. Doing good. How about you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm getting better at waking up. So, <laughs>
2: and especially, especially at this the time. Morning.
0: I know, I'm, I have to plan it out my I wake up, so otherwise it gets messy, but we're sorting
2: it, we're sorting it, it's good. That's like my bedtime. <laughs> <But> no, looking <laughs> at a, uh,
0: see, it's been an okay start to the year, which is good considering last year was a shit show,
2: so. Right. right. <laughs> we,
0: we're getting we got, there, have, we how got about all you kinds of,
2: all kinds of goodies in this episode.
0: We do. We're going to talk about your report on Pfizer and FDA corruption which uh, we're going to spend a bit of time on. Also, the next part of your report on the 2030 psychological agenda. Uh, and if you haven't read that already, go into that and start reading those because that really needs no know knowledge. Um, updates on Prince Andrew, which is interesting. Um, we'll get your thoughts on that, ladies, if they're throwing him under the bus now. Too much hate. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, we're going to have our friend on with us to promoting his new movie. Uh, game day that is john paul rice it'd be great to talk to john again uh, but he will join us on the later half of the show so awesome what, i know it's gonna be a good time it be a bit of a laid back podcast but it'd be good i think we need it. what are we talking
2: back as i ramble through as quickly as i can
0: <laughs> no 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 <laughs> no
2: no no i'll just let you guys do all the talking you cover my reports yeah that would be that would be really cool actually i'm just gonna kick back and sip my coffee
1: i would just be reading it
0: (laughs) i i would be trying to work out how much my wage would be if you want me to do that (laughs) i'll I'll send you a check
2: (laughs) (laughs) so all right so this one i'm not going to go in depth on this um it's a pretty intensive nine-part series I've been working on. This is part five, which pertains to so so the whole agenda. It's a 2030 psychological agenda and obedience training, under the guise of pre-K through 12, but it's really pre-K through adults in a global mass-scale obedience training, and to to bring them into all the agendas everyone's already familiar with, and they're doing this through the cell program, and we we've, we've covered the first four parts of the reports and our podcast, so part five gets into um all of the wonderful agencies and arms that are involved in this and backing this i mean this is this is not just um small potatoes here this is this is large scale and it's global so i I kind of start out by explaining you know from academics to brainwashing and the history of it and then i get into um the various agencies but before i do Just one thing I want to mention is uh, I put this in here because even though it may not pertain specifically to this psychological agenda, I mean, it does. it's, It's an arm of it. It's one of their strategies is removing school boards to remove your rights. So I know a lot of people are pulling out into homeschooling, but some still have children in the public school system. And so it's really important to read this because you know, they're saying that they're 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 already they've done this in 20 states already in various schools and school districts where they're stripping a loc- locally elected school board members of their power, basically, and and they're in more impoverished, you know, mostly minority communities, but they're leaving parents without a voice. And this is you know how they do this. They always start out in either other countries or they start in poverty areas and they work their way up. It's almost like test piloting, you know. And so right. they're already doing this. They've been doing this for what, past probably 7 years here and now I noticed that South Carolina just just passed a new law that's going to go into effect in July 2022 where it's like if they're underperforming, they can come in and the state can take over. So so it's important to keep your eye on that. So then, um, basically, I break down, I show all the ways that these these agencies are connected to this psychological agenda, and I'm just going to cruise through the headers on this. The U.S. Department of Education, heavily involved, as I'm sure most people can imagine. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The National Science Foundation big time involved, and they've made it in several of my reports because they're all about the AI and technology. So integrating all of that into brainwashing tools through the education system as well. We have the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development involved in this. Um, Of course, you know, DARPA, UNESCO, UN, WHO, IBM, tons and tons. And in the end of this report, I'm gonna have a recap list of all the companies, agencies, organizations, foundations involved. I'm already over 300. I had, I had to stop documenting them because it was taking too much time. So I said, when I'm done with the report, I'm gonna to have to go back through and extract all the names that I covered. So I highly recommend people going in and um, staying staying on top of this series as I release these. I'm trying to release at least one chapter a week, um, but I kind of got sidetracked a little bit because I've been working on a couple of other pieces. And uh, so the next one, which I just published uh, Thursday today while we're recording, is the pfizer fda Corruption, Lethal Batches, and Autopsies Reveal COVID-19 Jab Genocide. And this is- Wow, that's a title. <laughs> I know. I, I That one took me uh, a bit you
0: didn't, to come up with. You, you, didn't, you didn't sugarcoat it, did you?
2: <laughs> I just, I was like trying to figure out how to get all this in because if you scroll down and you look at the bullet points here, the, the main topics I cover, there's a lot Uh, it's kind of interesting. This happens with me a lot when I'm working on reports. So I was speaking with a medical examiner and getting some really good, helpful insight information on what's going on. And while I was doing that, I noticed other information dropping out there. And so there is so much scientific evidence and studies and data points in here that this is, this is a wealth of evidence that needs to be shared on a global basis. Um, So we've got, uh, if we scroll down to the first one on autopsies reveal COVID jab deaths, despite attempts to suppress. So what's happening is we already know that, that the jab deaths are being suppressed, that they're just, they're not being uh, aside from VARES, which is highly underreported what's happening. So from the medical examiner standpoint, when you have nursing homes and hospice, when people pass away, there's investigators at the medical examiner's office that contact them. So there's like a a waiver, you know, they waive jurisdiction. This is just the process of how it works. But the medical examiner ultimately signs off on the documents. So the investigator contacts the nursing home and hospice, which we know is where a lot of these deaths that they're claiming are COVID-related are coming from. And we also know that those areas are heavily being, uh, jabbed. So when the investigator calls, whether it's a receptionist or a nurse, whoever answers the phone, basically gives a short summary of the death, but they're not saying anything about the jabs and the investigators don't dare ask, oh, well, did they get the jab? And what was the date they got the jab? Did, you know, did they right. die three days later? Did you recognize it? None of that's being discussed. It's all being just like hidden. So this particular medical examiner, uh, looked into, you know, t- took 15 to 20 families and contacted them, was very suspicious of a few, um, based on the, the autopsies believed them to be covid jab related and so contacted the families got the information the the dates of the jabs and da 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 and those were documented on the death certificate as covid jab deaths but i guarantee you this is rare um you know i had recently spoken with someone who worked for a big uh hospital network who was responsible for documenting the reports into, you know, the information that was coming in on adverse events and logging it into the various system. But that was all being handed, passed down. And, and I would guess that this is the process that's happening with a lot of hospital networks is it, you know, instead of an individual doctor actually physically going in and reporting it, it's likely all the reports are getting collected into one area. The higher ups are keeping ones related to death and, and then the other people are entering it in. Well, in one particular case, they were told to no longer log the information in, in early November. So what was that about? And with no explanation. So we, we already know that this is way underreported. And even with that, the numbers are staggering. We already have more in just last year. It wasn't even into the full year. It was like, wasn't it like halfway through the year, and it and the numbers of deaths in the various reporting system had already exceeded that of all other jabs combined?
1: Right, right. It's, in it's history, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming yeah. the, the massive spike since all the years combined compared to uh, the last year, and yeah. uh, we know the underreporting. What is it like? One percent is estimated. It's more between one and 10% yeah, and even if even actual. If
2: that- even if that number's increased since uh, COVID, it's it's still way underreported, and we already know. I mean, this is a perfect example, you know, right. with with medical examiners not even getting the information. So how is that supposed to be documented? Because the the numbers that CDC reports is based on death certificates, right? So I mean, that's like the final chain of you know documentation. So, um, so these are images if you scroll up a hair, um, so that's like mild, mild myocarditis pericarditis. Uh, this is an individual, these three people, by the way, were in their mid thirties to mid fifties. Okay. So this is an otherwise totally healthy person that develops this, of course was jabbed, develops this. And then that's not killed them. That's not what killed the person though. It, was a heart attack, which is in the next image down. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, so myocarditis is, is you know, it's, it's very serious. The spike proteins and the inflammation that is being caused by these jabs is being brushed under the rug and played <laughs> down. Like December 8th, I have a, a press release in here from the FDA where, you know, despite risks of myocarditis and pericarditis following third doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine given to 16 to 17-year-old males, which is the population at highest risk for vaccine-associated myocarditis and pericarditis, which I would argue that's probably not, I mean, maybe it is at the highest risk, but it's a risk for everyone across the board. Um, so, So they assess that the benefits, of course, outweigh, the risks. And they encourage, they encourage <laughs> more boosters. Keep it going. Right, so, right. So now exactly. under that, I have critical evidence and resources pertaining to autopsies. And this is what everyone needs to go in and read these studies, watch the videos. Um, these were autopsies that were performed, um, I'm going to butcher these names, by Dr. Uh, Burkhardt, yes. who's a uh, well-known uh pathologist german pathologist um one of the top ones over in europe and so i mean this is staggering when yes you know he broke this down through male through female through the different and this is all not this is not just pfizer these <clears throat> so let me just read you what uh i'm going to butcher this one too is it is it bhakti yes say it? dr mm-hmm. bhakti he says when he's talking about these results he says, the facts are damning. All gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccines. In the organs of these people, in 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes on the tissues, the main ones being the heart, the lung, and then other t- t- tissues such as liver, etc. These vaccines are killing the young and the old. And this is, I mean, there's so much evidence here in these yeah. I uh, saw
1: that video, uh, by Dr. Bhakti and it was very compelling and emotional. You could tell how yeah. upset he was yeah. over this. I mean, like he just felt like he was, uh, you know, screaming from the rooftops and, you know, wants people to just listen for once, yeah. you know, uh, because, and it's very personal for him too, because again, it it goes back to the children ultimately. Right. Right. Um, and that was his biggest issue, too, is just that um, w- at what point do we stop the madness? So, yeah, right, that was right. very compelling.
2: And, and they're gunning for the children hard, which have little to no risk at all of dying from alleged COVID virus. So uh,
0: they're pushing the kid thing harder in Australia now, too. Are they? Yeah. Oh. But we knew it was coming. You know they're setting up little nice little um, jab spots for them with mm. toys and everything, and yeah, oh jeez, all over the news. So
2: have they mandated yeah, it, it for any for age? Hut.
0: No, not yet, but okay. um, who knows? Mm. We, we know how this place goes. So,
2: right. So the uh, so the FDA approved the Pfizer jab, knowing full well the Rush trials were fraud. This is probably the most brilliant piece I've seen put together. It is so spot on, so concise, um, that's an illustrator. So it's the Canadian COVID Care Alliance, which is a group of 500 independent Canadian doctors, scientists, and healthcare practitioners. And they produce this evidence-based presentation using the FIRE trials. So, so we've all, I, I think many of us are aware of a lot of the tidbits in this, But it's all been incremental, you know? So they went through the whole trial and they showed very specifically, you know, what went awry. For example, the claim that we've been hearing forever that the inoculations were safe and showed 95% efficacy seven days after the second dose. But the 95% is actually relative risk reduction. Absolute risk reduction was only 0.84%, less than 1% so that's
1: a big difference right
2: <laughs> right <laughs> and they, wow. and you know they know people aren't going to know the difference aren't going to pay attention so when scientists or health professionals say oh it's 95 percent," see it's so safe and effective no it's not
1: it's a numbers oh. game it's, an, it's that you know numbers magic numbers manipulation they all do it in all aspects of this entire program mm-hmm
2: But they did, oh, this is just, it's, it's so great. A friend actually emailed this to me. It's, it's about a 37, 38 minute video. Absolutely brilliant. In addition to the Pfizer trial, they covered statistics and data that went down after the fact Um, and several other points of interest in here. Just very key information and God bless them they produced a complete pdf of all these slides so that people can print these out they can get them to their legislators get them to out to their community to everyone they know hammer the heck out of this we need to we need to shut the damn fda down it's what we need to do i mean it's really it's a two-pronged approach right now as far as this battle of shutting the jabs down and shutting the id passports down you know tackling it from from both sides there absolutely so, So these are just, I have some clips from in there and some other data I, you know, I happen to know that I included in here uh, very important information. Um, Of course, you know, the CDC redefining vaccine, which we are all aware of. So then we get down to some really, really important stuff. What does the injury and death data tell us? And Dr. Mike Eden just a few days ago, published um, or put out this, this video confirming that 90% of the vaccine side effects came from less than 10% of the batch lots. So this is all documented from bearers. And what this means is these batches do not contain the same ingredients, which is right. hugely illegal. <laughs> so this shows solid evidence of foul play. And these graphs, I mean, absolutely brilliant how they all broke this down. And I remember when this first came out a few months ago and I was wanting to dig through it myself and start extracting this data and putting it together. But, you know, I've been so swamped and I said, ah, there's groups of people working on this. So I'm so glad they they've created a website. Um, how bad is my batch? And it's, it's how bad.info It has a wealth of information. It has the batch numbers, charts, graphs, statistics, all kinds of data, a whistleblower section for healthcare workers who have access to the batch list. You know, the CDC on their site, they have these labels showing for at least for Pfizer. And I'm sure it's the same for the others, but they have like the lot number right there. So this is on the materials that sit in their fridges. So it requires a little bravery. I understand, but we really need some whistleblowers on this because if we could nail down the complete demographics of this, the amount of information that would provide would be astronomical. And if you look at these two charts here, uh, we have the the flu vaccine versus COVID. So if you look at those two, <clears throat> if you scroll down a hair so we can show both side kind of There you go okay so there's only two outliers in the flu vaccine so if you look at that graph you can see the two spikes there but aside from that it's very so these are adverse event reports right based on lot and batch number and you can see the the little spikes going up and down up and down up and down it's it's like a comb it's it's not too crazy looking and that's when reports come in on the various batches. And this is for the flu, know,
1: right? The flu vaccine, right? Right,
2: right. On the top one there. <clears throat> so the next one down is the COVID one, which is drastically different. It, it has this, this ascending spike of massive people on specific batches and lots where you could have, you know, 3,000 adverse events, 90 deaths. 50 permanent disabilities, you know, high, high numbers. And then all of a sudden it starts descending. It's almost like this perfect curve. And they did this in, um, it's like an alphanumeric order. So there's so much more information in the site, howbad.info, but what this proves is that they had different ingredients in these batches because it would be absolutely impossible for the batch just before it to cause, you know, nothing. And the batch immediately after it, all of a sudden, massive spike in side effects and deaths. And remember how much is underreported to begin with. So that's really, really important information. Um, And if we Scroll down. Uh, I, I just, you know, some more information people can come in and read here. Um, of course, I. I just wanted to include the federal judge rejected the FDA's request tied the Pfizer COVID jeb documents for 75 years. Um, very important. So over the next nine months, we're going to see all those documents rolling out at 55,000 pages a month. <clears throat> and of course, there will be redactions, but. I think there's enough of us out there that are pretty good at reading between the lines. We'll be able to find some good nuggets in there.
1: Agree, that was definitely a win for us to be able to um, obtain those documents um, much sooner than 75 years, of course. I mean, (laughs) why would you want to withhold the information for 75 years? Well, we know why.
2: Yep, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And then uh, I included, if you scroll down, uh, key scientific documents, statistical data and information and vital resources. Um, it's down underneath that section there. So I have several links to other studies, scientific data and information, um, that, that I've put out in addition to that. So there's just, uh, I highly recommend people downloading the PDF that the Canadian folks put together. It's brilliant um and all of this information watch these videos read these studies this is really critical information
1: yeah Um, it, it absolutely is i mean this you've compiled quite a lot here corey and i'm gonna be scrolling through this you know in more detail after we get off the recording because there's just so much in here and it's all really really important information so
2: yeah, it, it's it's alarming, and and the that they keep pushing the uh, jabs on children. It's it's very disturbing, and I know um, Epic Times. I haven't had time to thoroughly review it. Uh, I was publishing this as I saw Epic Times came out with a piece about. I want to say it was roughly eighteen year olds to forty nine year olds. I could be off on that. Um, talking about the enormous excess deaths in comparison to prior years, but they're waiting for the CDC to break down, you know, how great the CDC is, all the specific causes. Um, But this is, (laughs) was it the Times of Israel came out with a a piece just a couple days ago saying, oh, we have our first um, inflammation of the heart, myocarditis um, from Omicron, not from the jab, because the guy had you know gotten his his jabs and a booster not from that but from omicron this is very worrying and it's from a hospital in israel and it took me all of 60 seconds to connect bill gates to that hospital with joint investments they're involved in um so this is how they push these narratives and how they keep scaring people and making them believe everything's about the virus when really it's about the damn jab
1: Yeah, yeah, I I understand. I agree. I mean, uh, going back to this um, report that came out um, where Dr. Bhakti spoke on it, um, I I remember him discussing how difficult it was for coroners to even properly um, assess the cause Mm -hmm. of death in many of these cases. And it was only when the families demanded autopsies and in these circumstances where the um person conducting the autopsies knew exactly what to look for because upon initial look at some of these um death cases uh many of their organs looked fine it was really hard to assess the cause of death and i think that may be one of the the biggest hurdles as far as um, correctly reporting on causes of death in association to possibly the COVID jab,
2: And I'm so glad you brought that up because I have in here from uh, Dr. Uh, Burkhart notes and recommendations for conducting post-mortem examination autopsy of person deceased in connection with COVID vaccination. So it is a step step through process of that. And I have that linked. If you scroll down an inch, it's actually linked right there.
1: Okay, Um, great.
2: So all medical examiners get your hands on that.
1: Absolutely. They have to have certain, uh, ideas of what to, what to even look for at this point of areas that, um, could be causes for concern. Um, so that's, that's, and I wanted to bring up something else and, um, you know, I'd mentioned to you, mentioned this to you before we started the show was, um, this insurance CEO of a $100 billion insurance company saying that they've seen um, the death rate go up a stunning 40% from pre-pandemic levels. And this was of working age people. So this kind of plays into your report somewhat. It's a more, mm-hmm. I guess, evidence because he was saying that the majority of those people were not classified as COVID deaths, but 40% is astronomical. It's a huge amount nonetheless. And he was saying, look, you know, um, in all of our history, this is the high of the company, this is our highest death rates we've seen. And that, um, you know, to illustrate it sort of um, this way, is that once in every 200 years, there may be some sort of catastrophic event Um, that would yield a, say, 10% increase in the Mm. death rate. So 40% is just simply unheard of. And so so you have to ask, you know, any logical person um, connecting dots would have to ask, well, what is causing this massive spike in deaths?
2: Right, especially when, you know, allegedly 62% of Americans have uh, been, uh, gotten the jab. Um, And they claim that that prevents death. And then we have the CDC director saying, which we've known for a long time, uh, that 75% of all deaths have at least four comorbidities. So when we're seeing middle-aged and young people uh, dying, and one thing I will say about the Epic Times report, and I did a real quick scan of it, is a, a good chunk of them what it was not documented as the cause of death being COVID. So, but we don't know specifically what it is yet. Cause we're still waiting for the CDC to roll all those numbers out. So mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for that. And I'm sure I'll be writing up a report when that comes. It's interesting
1: so, how they're backtracking on a lot of this stuff that we yeah. were talking about two years ago.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So what's going on with Prince Andrew?
1: All right. Well, we got some good news this week um, on the Prince Andrew case. <laughs> so um, a judge has um, denied his motion to dismiss this uh, case that Virginia Roberts Jeffrey has brought against him, um, saying that Miss Jeffrey's complaint is neither unintelligible nor vague nor ambiguous and that it does have discrete incidents of sexual abuse in particular circumstances at three uh, locations. Um, and so the defendant uh, can't reasonably um, argue for this motion to dismiss. So for the foregoing reasons, the defendant's motion to dismiss the complaint or for more um I can't, I can't read what this says. Oh, a uh, definite statement <laughs> is denied in all respects. So the case moves forward. And uh, I'm sure that the Royals are quite displeased oh, about kinda. this. <laughs>
0: well, well, they also had around 150 vet uh, veteran soldiers uh, come out and Try to put this pressure on that as well talking about prince andrew so they were getting a lot of pressure from inside having this civil case of course i think it kind of um tips tips the royal family and then might throw him under the bus
1: oh for sure in fact yeah. the royal family come out came out with a statement with the queen has basically revoked um prince andrew's uh military affiliations and royal patronages and has stated that prince andrew will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a Mm. private citizen
2: interesting
1: yeah so they are really trying to distance themselves from prince andrew as this case moves forward people are wondering what's prince andrew's next move um i think that his the logical next move would be to try to settle with Virginia Roger Roberts Jeffrey outside of court um, because, you know, we know through the process of discovery that lots of sort of details will emerge on everything that Prince Andrew has done with Pr- Virginia Roberts Jeffrey. So um, it looks like Prince Andrew may consider um, a 10 million pound settlement from the sale of his Swiss chalet um, <laughs> to uh, get Virginia Roberts Jeffrey to um not move forward with this trial but her lawyer has said that settlement is a possibility but that she is actually determined to move forward so um yeah. it, it's kind of we're we're not sure where virginia roberts jeffrey stands I, the, the the lawyer said i think virginia virginia is determined to go to trial but settlement is always a possibility so yeah yeah we'll see if virginia roberts jeffrey um settles but i'm kind of hoping she doesn't and this goes to trial so that we get some more information um through the discovery process
2: yeah i hope it does go to uh trial i mean not not to have to put her through that but Oh, wowzers. Well, let's bring on my good friend, John Paul Rice, uh, who's produced movies and has a recent one that's come out called Game Day. So we're going to roll the trailer and then we'll bring John on. Who is that? Michelle.
1: Oh, God, she is not coming here.
2: She's only going to stay a couple hours.
1: I don't care if she stays a couple of minutes. I don't want her here.
2: Don't start that paranoid, paranoid. Person.
1: I see the way you look at her when she visits. Everybody sees it. It is so obvious.
0: Well, what's wrong?
3: Did Dad say something?
1: right, let's just get through today.
2: Yo, Jamie! What the hell is wrong with that wife of yours? You better get those stupid ideas right out of
0: your head. He doesn't care how I feel. Why should I care how he feels? Speaking of which, nobody cares about anybody in this family.
2: I don't know what the hell
0: happened to this family. You have ruined everything. We've a really safe life.
2: Something is missing. All right. While well, we're waiting for Edge to switch the audio over bringing on john here <laughs> i love the music in that by the way <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
1: hello john thank you for coming on and um, hey
3: it's really a pleasure to always be with you guys i i um, i'm somewhat jealous sometimes only because you guys have such a good time going over such horrible news <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it
3: <laughs> yeah like come join us for coffee you know <laughs> uh start your day off right no, um, I just, first of all, and just to your audience also, um, it's, I mean, I, I was listening to everything that you were, you all were reporting on and, um, I just really appreciate everything that you are doing and to be able to know people out there personally in the media and the alternative space, whatever you want to call it, that are truth tellers that say, you know what, we're not going to accept the status quo. We're not going to accept what is being told to us. We're actually going to go and find the answers. And, you know, you, you highlighted some key examples of um, people who are doing just that. And those are people you don't even know that are doing it. So one good act inspires another and another and another, and you just don't know where it goes. So yeah, it's really an honor to, uh, to be To be a filmmaker in this time and to know people who are truth tellers, that's, that's pretty special.
2: Yeah. Well, tell everyone about your movie.
3: So Game Day is a movie. It's my seventh independent film that I produced uh, early last year in April in Philadelphia. It was an all Philadelphia cast uh, and a mostly Philadelphia based crew. This is a story that I believe is a story for our time right now. It's about the bitter divisions, the rivalries, the resentments, all of the, all of the moments that preceded that day where the truth was finally spoken at such a level that it disintegrates the family. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there's an underlying care and truth in everyone. That's why they've all been together. And so we made a movie that was just authentic Italian American about an Eagles fan family, right? The Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. And they play on this day, their most hated rival, the Dallas Cowboys. And <laughs> over four quarters of football in one day, the family secrets become revealed. And um, it turns grandparents against parents, children against their parents, x against the x love and it causes a rift and it's it's a dysfunctional family it's truly a dysfunctional family not uh lightly you know dysfunctional family but a real brutal there's a brutality in the film um that most people i don't think are accustomed to seeing in movies but um you have seen films in the past that have done this but you just haven't seen a film like this in a long time And, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. I would, you know, like Corey and I have talked about this. Uh, This isn't your hallmark, typical hallmark, (laughs) dysfunctional family film where everybody is just, you know, is wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow in the end. Right. Um, But we made this with a co-writer who was from Philadelphia. And this is actually based loosely on his own children, his own family. And also, I do want to say that, that family and the fighting that they do is not exclusive to that family. Um, Philadelphia <laughs> is a brutal town. And one of the uh great claims to fame in their fan base among the Eagles fans was that they actually threw snowballs at Santa Claus, <laughs> among many other things that they've done in their esteemed history. <sighs>
2: yeah it was it was a good movie there were a lot of um great actors in it and it was it was intense it was definitely intense it was very heated um I think it's it's kind of an important topic right now with everything going on in the world and divisions being created and you know trying to keep the family unit together and uh trying to get along (laughs) yeah I feel like there's
1: there's so many people that could relate on some level to mm-hmm. this family um mm-hmm. the struggles the dynamics i mean there were and each of them had different struggles i don't know how much we should give away mm-hmm. um but you know whether it's drug abuse or drinking or whatever the case is um i think that on some level there's so many people that can relate to this with regards to their own families—at um, least some of the some characters, level. right? I mean, um, and and so I think that that can really connect with people, especially coming off after the holidays, um, because <laughs> everybody, you know, had to go home or you know had people over. Not everybody, but a lot of people, you know, got together with their families. And really experienced those dynamics, and it's still mm-hmm. fresh for them. So I think they can relate. But even now, it's 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 not just a typical time uh, mm-hmm. with typical family issues. It's really been compounded in the past couple of years uh whether it's politics or where you stand with the whole covid thing or social issues those have just bubbled up to the surface so much so that it's um like this family you know it's put family members against family members coworkers against coworkers friends against friends on where you stand on these various issues and those do always come bubbling up to the surface when you get say a big family together right <laughs>
3: Right. Yeah. Um, go ahead.
2: No, go, go ahead. ahead.
3: Go ahead. I was just going to say like, it's what, what the director Edgar, and this is the director. If, if your audience is familiar with a child's voice, um, is the same director and co-writer, but he said that, uh, you know, it's to thy own self be true. And in this film, you know, you go through quite a hell hellish ride. Um, you know, for the majority of the film, it's very intense. Um, there are moments in there. I mean, I, I, I told Corey, she was like, where's the humor in this? I was like, well, they're not jokes. <laughs> um, but humor to me is like humility. It's like the ultimate humility. Like when we were in, to give you an example, we were in Philadelphia and we did the premiere. And it, was, it was a full packed house with standing room only in the back. And, and the laughs that came were nervous laughs. Mm-hmm. partially because they're, they're relating to it going, Oh my God, that's me too. Right. And, and, yeah. and speaker you are um, sharp. You, you made a very good point about there is some, there's something in there for everybody, really um, the identity, the identification of each character. I mean, film, let, let's kind of like get in a bigger, broader sense. Film is subjective, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what art really is. Authentic art is is your creation. It, it has nothing to do with pre-programmed messaging. In other words, when as a filmmaker, as an artist, let's just talk about an art in general or creation with care. The underlying thing of care, care for what? What, what you do, not what you're messaging. So, so in that process of you go in with your beliefs of your ideas of things, but then the art gives you feedback as the creator, because you're, you're putting it outside of yourself and it's giving you feedback mm-hmm. when i read the script i read it and i cried at the end um because the underlying thing is i understood the pain behind it but i also said to edgar i said this film making this film is going to teach me something it's going to help me grow up as a man and it did um and i'm sure it will continue to teach me more things But those journeys and those discoveries really to the darkest of places sometimes are the ones that are the most liberating when the truth is spoken. And um, to the point about family, it's like our bitter divisions are, are like all the externalities really come back to the internal. Those are the hardest ones to manage because if you're dealing with trauma and we don't have to, we always talk about trauma as sort of like this, maybe it's in a vacuum or, we think of we, we may we may run to abuse we may run to beating we may run to sex trafficking right those are external things but the reality is is that trauma is trauma is trauma because it's pain and the pain that is of the past is in its past we have to remember putting the pain in its pastness brings forth the joy of now what I mean by that is that when, you, when you're honest and you're authentic and you have full humility to say, I don't know, but you can say, well, because I don't know, that's where I'm starting from, but I've got to figure it out. And that's the new beginning in this film. At the end, when you come to the end, and it's not giving the ending away in any which way, but what I'm saying is because the truth was finally spoken, it cascaded throughout all of the characters towards the end. And it allowed them a new beginning, new beginnings for everyone where that care never was gone, that it still remained at the end in spite of all of this bullshit that was piled up on top of it. So, you know, I, I know that my movie is not for everyone, for sure, just like A Child's Voice wasn't, just like all of my other films are not for everyone. They're niche audiences, but I believe that art is that, that is you, you go for the higher truth, the truth that it, you discover, the one that's in you that you uncover. And then through that process of creation, if you have something to really say, that authentic delivery will impact people. It will get a reaction. It's not a preconditioned one like propaganda or anti-propaganda against the propaganda. Those are the two in one the same thing. So it's, it's like to me, it's like what I wanted to do in this movie and what I wish to do with art and telling anybody who wishes to create anything is to find your authentic truth. Don't worry about the outside world, and what it's messaging and what it's making in terms of profit, because those are, that's just industry. That's all it is. It's just industry and it's a machine and it just gobbles up all of this stuff and then regurgitates it. It imitates it. It's reboots, remakes, prequels, sequels, spinoffs, franchises. Independent film imitating old film. It's like and we say no.
0: we, we say that now more than ever.
1: I'm so glad it's you brought churning that up at a
3: fast pace.
0: yeah.
1: Yes, yes, that's all it is. It's just the recycling because there is no new innovative ideas coming out of Hollywood because they're so suppressed themselves as far as their own correctness and awokeness. That they're afraid to actually drill down and get into real topics, and so they're just recycling the same crap over and over again.
3: I mean, the the head of Disney, the new guy—I don't even remember—he replaced Bob Iger. Literally, came out the other day, and this is in the 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 the, the media. Um, deadline and variety. He basically said, no, we've got an incredible library and we're just going to keep doing, you know, remakes of everything that we've already done. And what it's going to be, what what it, what it boils down to is this for, for Hollywood and its industry, it's a money-making industry. And there was a producer I met with recently said something very astute. He said, everybody takes from it and nobody is putting anything back in. And that's always really been the case, but at a much accelerated rate now because of the consolidation of the industry. There is a consolidation going on, and there is a contraction going on. And and you know, I was asked this in an interview um, like a week ago. Well, what about Hollywood was doing? I said, What about it? <laughs> what about it? So what they do? Let me. Let me I, I said this in an interview ten, maybe twelve years ago. I didn't really even know what I was saying, but I. Utterly understood Hollywood has never been the audience and it never will be. Mm -hmm. They are a cult. They are becoming a cult more than they already have been before. Wokeism will be gone when it's no longer profitable, but what will replace it? You have to have craft and story folks. If all you're doing is these are the good people. These are the bad people, or you're going, this is what I think. This is what I feel. And it's all surface level. Everything is contrived. You don't have a point. In our real lives, do we say like 100% what we actually think and feel? No. That's why there's drama. There's unconscious people trying to resolve all sorts of stuff because they're trying to figure it out. If you don't give them a place to go, then all you're doing is just regurgitating. This film, like Game Day, I, I'll be, you know, it's not like it's all in the dialogue, it's in the emotion. Mm-hmm. So what it means is, is that you could take a script like game day, and I'm not saying it's about the, the story itself, but you could take a script like game day and you could play it like a Hallmark film without the emotion. But when you put, you give someone like an actor, an active verb. So for example, like if you have a film, a scene in a movie, all right, where it's a, it's a funeral scene and somebody's crying and grieving, that's not where the drama is. Frank Capra said this. He said, "Drama is not the characters crying on the screen. Drama happens when the audience cries." What that means is that that character crying at the funeral is not sad just because of the loss of that person. What it is underneath it and what drives the story and the emotion of that character is the fact that he or she Never got to hear the words, I love you from that person. And now they never will because they're gone. That's the richness. That's the truth. That's the sauce of life coming to, coming to fruition on the screen. So what I, what I ask people to do is like, what's the antithesis to all this? The depth and the, and, the, and the richness is you. That's where it has to come from. It has to come from you. Waiting for the cultural engineers to give that to you? Oh, no, no, no. Ain't going to happen, man. Why? Because they are in denial of a lot of things within themselves. I mean, we could talk about Hollywood all day and it's not even the satanic agenda. But what makes that possible is through unconscious people who believe their value is based on monetary gains for which they gain more power, for which everyone else folds underneath and it reinforces that hierarchy. You just have to move yourself away from that because there's a whole space out there and an appetite, my God, an appetite that is out there for something true in these days. Jesus Christ, you know, if the more authentic and truthful you can be, the more people are going to pay attention to you and probably hire you and pay you money to do things. I mean, I'm saying this on a, on a, on a, not just me, this is about all of us. And, and art is a metaphor it's a mirror, when you go into a theater, Frank Capra also said this. This is a guy who did a, It's a Wonderful Life. 80 years later, that movie is profound. Because the universal messages ring true. He says, you have an hour and a half to two hours with that person. And you, can ha- you have more power in that hour and a half to two hours than a president of the United States to change their lives. In just two hours, you can change their lives. You can show them something they've never seen before, but it awakens something divine in them. That's what art can do. And you put the divinity in that and you put your love and your care into something and you will it forward into creation. That's exactly what you're doing. Every little bit that you do, that is like gold nuggets for everyone. You want breadcrumbs? You want to lead people to the food, to the water, to the resources? Authenticity and truth.
2: Amen. Amen. Well said. Yeah. Really where, now, where all is the, the film available where people can go and purchase it here? If
3: you go to gamedaythemovie.com, it's right there. You're showing it. Vimeo on demand and Amazon USA. And I put Amazon USA cause it's only available in Amazon, Amazon in the USA. Now, if you have a VPN, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could probably get around that, but Vimeo on demand's there worldwide. Um, And we are going to get it on more platforms coming into this year, probably starting in February or March of 2022. But worldwide, it won't be worldwide, probably on on multiple streaming platforms until uh, third quarter of this year. But Okay, um, and
2: we'll definitely put the links below this too so people can access and that. it's also now, on no
3: restrictions ent my website where you can also find our other films there as well but we we made a game day movie just specifically for this one because we knew that a lot of people were going to want to specifically watch this and probably not uh go oh okay family drama a child sex trafficking movie <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: now so, what are you uh, what are you guys working on now you already started working on another one right
3: yeah So we're moving our offices from Los Angeles to Greenville, South Carolina in the upstate. Um, And our first film is going to be shot in a couple of months. We're going to start uh, in that upstate area called a little box of hope. And that is a supernatural movie about a businessman who finds a little child's toy box. And when he looks inside, he is brought into the mind of a serial killer Mm -hmm. and Anybody who looks in that box and goes into the mind of the serial killer is given a chance to stop him from killing his victim. Um, The tagline of that movie is, create." well, I say the tagline of that movie would be, imagination creates love in the darkest of places.
2: Mm. I can't wait to see that one. Sounds Mm -hmm. really interesting.
0: Sounds really good.
2: Yeah. But so, going back um, to
1: what you were saying, um, John, about how everybody's walking around with all these suppressed subconscious emotions that they're not even really dealing with. Right. Your movie really actually uh, illustrated that so well because it was like every single character had all of these suppressed emotions, baggage from the past, and they were coping it, with it in totally dysfunctional ways yeah. and some of those characters it seems like came to that sort of epiphany moment where that stuff sort of rose to the top and they actually dealt with it right <laughs> and so I think that but you have to do that in order to be able to move on you know you first yes. have to address the truth in order to be able to move on from it and yeah, get, so- I mean- get something positive from it
3: yeah and as head on the nail i mean all of these people are fighters to the end you know fight passionately not just among their their fan base but they fight passionately amongst each other and really it's kind of also the truth is that every single one of them is a truth teller they just don't know they're telling the truth about themselves hmm. and um it's to me it's like when we take that out outside of the movie. And what that really means is that if you, if you look at what's going on in the world today and every with everything, um, how our leadership, how authority is able to control us is through fear. And that fear is our unconscious. And that's the unspoken. It's really the, it's really the unspoken pain that we existence sometimes because of the fact that we we live in a very damaged and broken world um Mm -hmm. that's becoming more true by the day but that doesn't mean you throw up your hands and give up and say well screw it i i I can't you know there are days of course are there not days that i go i will sell all my possessions and go live in a forest (laughs) hell yes Hell yes, it sounds time. really nice. <laughs> you know, bring on the intentional community and the you know the the far homestead farming and all that. I mean, that doesn't mean that you can't do that, but it's like, okay, what do you got right in front of you? What is in your your inner circle? And I, I do. I'm I'm only going to put a little bit of my own personal thing in this. Not not the past, but working one on one is really where it's at. I mean, we do do things in groups, that's all great, but I'm talking about one-on-one somebody, one person who can meet you at a soul level, one-on-one because we have our friends and we have our families. And at the end of the day, we have our quiet moments where we're alone with our own thoughts and our own feelings. And to have someone that is there for you in those times, is, is more valuable than anything else. That's not a diminishing statement about our families and stuff because we all have our own limitations. Sometimes it takes somebody on the outside to see what's really there. And all throughout my life, I've been very blessed and fortunate given what I've been through. I remember just when I was eight or nine years old, uh, this guy, Denny White, I don't know if he's still alive today, but if he was, I would call him up and thank him because he saw a little boy who didn't have a father in a hospital dealing with mental illness and suicide. And then he brought me into the padded room, not to put me in a padded room, but allowed me to take some hits out on that punching bag. And then he went and bought these um, foam bats so that we could play hit each other, (laughs) get that aggression out. Mm -hmm. That man understood the suffering going on inside of a child because he himself had suffered too. And I think that if there's a, a way out of this hell that we're living through in the future is to try to find those Denny Whites out there and connect with them because it will heal them too. I don't think he did that because he was some saintly man or a pious man or somebody who didn't understand the depths and horrors of the world in relation to his own. But I think that he came through that and knew that by giving to this kid, even though I don't know what the outcome will be for him, that at least in this moment he can have something. And I think if we take that approach in our own personal responsibility and accountability for somebody else around us, then we can change things very quickly from one to one to the next to the other. Um, Last thing I wanna say is I got a message today from somebody who recommended me to be on a podcast. I shared this with Corey and this young man, I've never, I don't know who he is, I've never met him, but he said, I've been listening to your interviews over the last several years. (laughs) And I took in what you said and I found a way to heal. Bipolar disease and schizophrenia. Wow. Yeah. You have no wow. idea. I don't, I don't know him from anybody. And I didn't talk about what I had done in my life that had anything to do with that person. All you right. don't know who you are helping just by being honest and authentic. And even if you suffer and struggle, which we all do in our own quiet way. There is somebody out there that needs us. Somebody who's small, who needs us. Somebody who's big, who needs us. We have to stop looking at each other as separate Mm -hmm. and not allow this shit to divide us. Because at the end of the day, if you really do love humanity, you have to love the human. And the one that you look at in the mirror is the one you need to love the most before anybody else, because at the end of the day, it's kind of like what Carl Jung said, is that if you go through all of the least in the world, you might come back to find yourself as the one at the very, very lowest point. And then who is gonna save you,
2: right?
1: Well said, well said. I think that we each have special gifts that we are each given something about us that makes us unique or special or that drives us. And those aren't given to us for no reason. I think that they are given to us to share with the world and to help others however we can. And um, everybody's unique in that manner with what they have to offer. But other thing I wanted to mention was just that I think forgiveness is key because we're all damaged. We're all damaged. I can, I can totally relate to this movie uh, in certain aspects from my own family and dysfunction within my own family and divisions within my own family. And I remember having grudges for years and it was like a cancer that just ate me up. It made me sick physically. And it wasn't until I learned that forgiving someone else for however they had hurt me actually set me free and allowed Mm -hmm. me to live my best life. So it was like I was keeping myself a prisoner by holding these grudges. And so I feel like forgiveness is a key factor and being able to move on however someone has hurt you if you can allow yourself to forgive and accept that person even though you don't agree or mm-hmm. you don't approve of something you can still have that element of forgiveness and being able to move on and being set free from those grudges that are holding you back
3: 100 well, and yeah that's 100 percent, and and Really, the forgiveness is given from you. It may not be, you may not have the opportunity to have those words with them. But if you do, it's wonderful. But yeah. if you can't, giving it to them, it's already done. And that's when you'll know that you've healed because you've let it go and said, I, I don't want to hold this anymore. I had this anger, this hatred that doesn't even exist today. Right, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't even exist in the present moment now, but it's it's as real today as it was then. And that's that's a very astute comment you made because it's 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 where we have to go if we're gonna like. There's gonna be a as you guys know, there's gonna be a lot of upheavals, how mm-hmm. and when and all that nobody really knows. But the truth of the matter is is that um, there's going to be a massive grieving period and reconciliation is is really where it's at i don't want to see us going down an authoritarian world you know um right or left however you look at it because that is possible too in response to this tyranny that is really going to harden a lot of people people in australia very loving sweet people they're being tried and tested and challenged canada elsewhere yeah. it's like it's hardening everyone and the only way out that i see is the peaceful way out is we're not going to win by fighting and becoming violent um we're going to win because we stand up in love and that's what martin luther king jr preached when they beat the shit out of him and all the people that marched that day and over the weekend they were going what are we going to do and he said we're going to get up and we're going to march again and that's when they won when they won was when they showed the truth about the authorities that they were not going to be drawn into conflict and become just like them in order to win.
2: Yep. Yep. 100% agree. Good statements from everyone, guys. Yep. I'm so glad you could join us, Bud.
0: Yeah, it was great to have you on. i to talk to you again.
1: Great to have you, John. It was really wonderful conversation. I love you all.
3: And I, I'll, I'll, anytime I can do something to help promote you all, I will. And I've t- already told Corey this, that like, I want to help you on social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back, at, back, back
0: at you, mate. Anytime we can promote something of yours, it's very welcome. We don't mind doing yeah. it at all.
2: Definitely, definitely. Well, good show, guys. Thanks for coming on and joining us, John. And we're gonna yeah. post all the links to John's movie below, so make sure to catch that.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining us today here on Digit with myself, the Sharp Edge speaker, and Corey Lynn of Corey Stiggs, and our special guest today, John Paul Rice. Be sure to check out his new movie, Game Day. And be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Digit. <music> Thank you.